So we've talked a little bit about Latino healthcare access. Talk about the other organizations that are giving you your best shot at leading and giving the best, clearest messages to getting everybody on the same page. Dr. America Bracho of the Latino Health Access comes out and says that messages are fragmented. What other organizations besides Latino Health Access are ones that you're working with and that maybe you could say they've been as effective as Dr. America has been in the pithy message out there to get people on board? So you bring up a really good point, and I think there is a lot more work to be done on how we can bridge those messages together and how powerful entities alongside with nonprofit providers, community leaders, faith-based organizations, how do we work together towards a common goal? As long as the pandemic continues, as long as we continue to see a rise in cases, we will have more families that are impacted, whether it's through job loss or medical, whatever that might be, we will have more and more continuing to see see the problem rise month over month is a result of people really just struggling with, you know, how do they keep their families safe? How do they keep their families safe while maintaining income and exposing themselves to, to COVID? So I think as, as long as the pandemic continues, we'll continue to see this rise. We've seen it month over month, but how do we work together with our elected leaders and with our other providers and, and partners like Latino Health Access to really have some common messaging, again, to share the impact this is the impact and it's getting worse. Every month is getting worse. And again, it's the top of the iceberg. The bottom part is not visible yet, but we're getting closer and closer to feeling that cliff and how do we fall over it? it it's going to be an incredible increase and, and each month it's getting worse and worse. And, and the other thing we have to consider is that we're getting into the fall season. Our, our typical flu season, I can imagine that there will be more families that either, you know, are scared, they think they may have been infected, or, you know, maybe taking different risks and perhaps exposing themselves. And, and it's really hard for families to be able to stay housed, think about income, but also protect their families. So again, how do we bridge the messaging and really work together? I, I think there's more work to be done in that arena. So this is my earnest question. Do institutions request of you hard data? Do the local county agencies, do they go to you and ask, or does your staff, do you, Madeline, go to, I'm, you can, listeners can fill in the blank. They know which agencies I'm thinking about. That is there a conversation? Is there a sharing of data so that you can, in a way, we can hold accountable those local agencies because they have nowhere to hide from data families forward and other agencies have. Is there a way you've built in, you formalized a communication between agencies, public and private nonprofit, to make that data show up in policies? 
You know, there is a, a lot of data that is shared with our local entities. I mean, that's part of that that relationship. And especially with um, our, our funded programs, we want to make sure that we can perform on the deliverables. You know, if, if we received funding to serve this many families, I want to, you know, make sure that that information is shared. So definitely that, that measure is in place. Uh, all of the providers that receive local funding here are required to report into what's called our homeless management information system, which is a shared database amongst all of the providers and the county, um, as well as some city institutions that have certain pots of money. And that's part of our challenge here, and this is a challenge well before COVID, is how do you really coordinate all of these avenues of care so that we know where a family's journey is, we know where the family has been, where, what maybe what hasn't worked, what has worked, and we know that if you're working with this agency, we don't need to duplicate services and have this agency come okay. in. So this database is out there and it's available, but getting access to the data, obviously there's a lot in there that's confidential. And so making sure that as we share that data, we do it in a way that protects the values and the dignity of the families that we're serving. So to answer your question, yes, that data is being shared, that data is being collected, um, but to the point prior, I think along with the data, the impact, the stories of impact are critical for us to be able to share that messaging and bridge that divide. So is there a forum for Families Forward to get on the agenda for a county board of supervisor regularly scheduled meeting or before or to call a meeting for various public people to offer comments, but to, like with the Orange County Board of Education to give Families Forward a part of the agenda. So there you are on the microphone in view and stating what are these massive numbers and the massive uncertainty that looms to exponentially boost all these disastrous numbers? Is there, is there a way to Families Forward can formalize those appearances to shine the light on that data? Absolutely. I mean, just, just like any of us, we have the ability to be able to provide those public comments, to work with our public entities to be able to, to share the data. You know, behind the scenes, we do have a very close working relationship with uh, a lot of the, the county and the city staff to make sure that we are working hand in hand and we are sharing that data. And the funding that's coming in is making a true impact in our local communities. But what I would say is that yes. I think it's more than just, you know, families forward. It's all of us working together, as you mentioned. I mean, we've all got to be sharing that messaging. How do we drive that home? How do we share our stories together? Because one story alone, and then being able to bridge that with 30 other agencies and other, you know, other uh, avenues to be able to kind of elevate the crisis, I think is, is critical. So working with some of our providers, I mean, that's certainly an area that we've been so overwhelmed and focused on critical crisis intervention and how right. you work with these families that you kind of forget, right? You're, you're thinking, how do you manage both? We've got to handle the crisis, but also we got to figure out a way to make sure that there is funding and support for what's coming down the pipe. So we're looking at the time of this recording on August 7th, we're looking at an impasse in Congress to approve another round of pandemic relief rescue packages. So I guess for us to appreciate if there's this pending business, there's even more time deferred before Families Forward would get those resources that 
invariably something is going to be agreed to. So you, we talked a little bit about the pipeline, but how long after an enactment of rescue package money, how long can you help listeners appreciate it takes before Families Forward sees that? So Families Forward typically sees, you know, these are uncertain times and these of are course. unpredictable times. So, so this is not the norm, but typically it's been taking about four months. So again, you know, we, we are going back and we're, we're spending the dollars and we're making sure that we can help families and we're not going to turn a family away um, because we know that we're working very closely with our city partners and our, our county partners to make sure that that funding is available. But it does take some coordination. And obviously there's a lot of unknown right now as far as, you know, even everyone working from home, it's been challenging, but that doesn't impact the work that we do and our ability to serve the families as long as that funding is available for us. So that's an important piece for us to all appreciate is that everybody has a role to make resources available. And when we see delays in the legislative process, we haven't gotten to the administration yet. And for us to appreciate that four month <laughs> interval is something we need to appreciate with every deferred action on the next legislative bailout package. So it's very important for us to appreciate that. Madeline. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. All the best, bye.